Today's episode is brought to you by me. Still mostly just brought to you by me. However, my friends over at DefiantBean.com are trying to help out too, but they can't do it alone. Defiant Bean Roasters take responsibly sourced quality coffee beans, lovingly and caringly roast them, sometimes while listening to the Enormacast apparently. Then they put them in a bag, still warm, in a box, and send them to you. So fresh, the beans think they're on a little vacation, right up until they hear the grinder fire up. But anyway, DefiantBean.com is offering Enormacast listeners a deal. 10% off any order, and we, the royal we over here at the Enormacast, get 10% as well. That's DefiantBean.com. Enter Enormo in the coupon code at checkout and get 10% off. Great coffee. Or head over to Enormacast.com. Click on the Defiant Bean banner for details. Be defiant. Demand fresh roasted coffee. All right, on to the show. We gotta get Listen, uh, uh, where are you playing in town? Are you playing here? We're doing the, uh, the Normo Dome, whatever it is. It's terrific. Oh, it's yeah, big place. That's, out. That's a big nice. place. You sold that out. Place. I'll, I'll see. We really yeah. should. Look, you better get up there before you panic. Those pens are loose. You're very good. I have really enjoyed having with you. I don't think so. But we shall continue with style. Hello and welcome to the Normal Cast. This is your host, Chris Kalous. It is July 16th. Yeah, don't give me a hard time about that. Just got back from Lander, got in super late. We have time to get this thing done today. Just leave me alone. On today's show, I connect with the youth. I actually have two conversations on today's show. One is with Steve Denny, a 23-year-old road warrior from Rhode Island, and the other is with Henry Nadel, a 15-year-old future shredder. But before we get to that, the only piece of business I have today is that the stickers have arrived, and they are totally awesome. And I need to get them out there. I need to spread them across the nation like some sort of viral infection, or like a mild cold, you know, the kind that puts you under a little bit and gives you a ready excuse to stay home and play Xbox instead of going climbing. So next time you uh, send me an email, which you can send at chris at anormalcast.com, or if you send me a donation, which you can also find at anormalcast.com, please attach your address and I will send some stickers. It's all I have right now besides the podcast is stickers. So I'll send you a sticker. No problem. And don't worry, I'm working on other merch as they say in the business, some t-shirts and some hats and I don't know, the normal swag. All right, that's it. I think let's just get to the show today. Episode 15, Those Meddling Kids. So where they go? You don't need a system. Mm-hmm. All right, I'd like to welcome uh, Steve Denny to the Rocky Mountain Bunker out here. What do you think of the place? 
It's one of the coolest places that you could live. Yeah, it's yeah. right underneath Mount Sopris. We're actually sitting out front, so you'll hear the birds chirping and the river gurgling. Yeah. But, uh, I'm actually getting uh, I'm getting kicked out of the bunker. It's a bummer. I know. i got to move into town, but um, unless you guys can... Uh, Unless normal cast listeners between now and September can come up with like, I don't know, this place looks like it costs probably like $4 million. Yeah. <laughs> so, $4 million, that's our goal, people. Yeah. $4 million. Start the phone calls. <laughs> exactly. We are waiting. So anyway, I invited, uh, I invited Steve to be on the show. Um, he's been interested in the podcast uh, for a little while, and he's a local guy that lives here in town, sort of. Um, tell, us, tell us about yourself there, Steve. Well. What kind of climber are you? Uh, I'm just a climber. I like uh, to do it all. Uh, you're from Rhode Island, I just found out. <laughs> yep, I grew up in Rhode Island. So how did you end up coming out of Rhode Island as a rock climber? Uh, I wasn't. I came out here to ski to the Colorado Mountain College here in, in the valley Uh huh. and found rock climbing. The first summer I was here working at a gear shop and everyone went out after work and cranked at the pukes. So that was where I, where my career began when I was 18. Really? Yeah. You Roadside started? Attraction was like the first thing I ever climbed. Which one is that? The one like right when you walk up, you're like, oh, this polished, awesome thing. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, just right, right. Right there. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like four or five bolts? Yep. When was that? Uh, this was 2007. Huh. Yeah. I'm 23. You're only 23? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Rock and roll. <laughs> In my prime. All right, that's cool because later in the show, I've got an interview with a 15-year-old. Yeah. So we're going to just kind of go up to generations <laughs> here. So maybe next show yeah, I'll I know you're way something. into generations. Yeah, no, it's it's an interesting thing for me because having lived through several, you know, yeah. it's, it's, and watching changes and you kind of frame them in terms of, in terms of that. Totally. Um, there's definitely, definitely ways to kind of look at it chronologically. Yeah, so. for sure. No, I have listeners telling me to stop t- talking about how old I am, but yeah, too bad. I'm old. No, whatever. But I'm still in the mix. Oh, Still hell climbing yeah. hard. No doubt. Yeah. Trying anyway. So, so you learned to climb here. Uh, it's, it's funny because, I mean, I probably walked by you and, and just, like, gave you yeah, a dirty Yeah, like, going left. You're yeah. like, oh, there's uh-huh. gummies. <laughs> going to crank. Exactly. <laughs> and we were like, ooh, look at those guys. They're going left. Cool. <laughs> yeah. They, if you take a left at, the, at where the trail hits the cliff, you're going up to the harder climbing. But uh, <laughs> those guys are going left. <laughs> so you grew up in Rhode Island and you split to here. Yeah, I'd never go back. No. No. Uh, sorry to all my friends in Rhodey, but yeah, place is not as cool as Colorado. I mean, you'll go back to visit. Rarely. All right. Yeah. I haven't seen my parents in a long time. Really? I don't go back. They don't come out. So, uh-huh. you know, we talk a lot, but it, so uh, there's not some sort of like yeah. story there where you stormed out. Oh, no. You guys. I, I mean, I there's know. a, there's some stories there, but. My parents are awesome. Yeah, like that. You guys that's are still all tired. good. Yeah, totally. Yeah, brothers and sisters. I have many. I they're all like half siblings, first marriages. I've adopted uh-huh. younger brother. So Steve is actually like a um, has sort of struck me as like the quintessential road dog right now. Although you're sort of yeah. based here in the valley, I do love it here. And you, but you, you know, are in and out of your van. I'm in um, and out of the van. You were in Yosemite earlier this year. I was. It was my first time there. Uh-huh. So that was like kind of a. I had put it on a pedestal for a long time. So. Right. How? What was your impression? Uh, it's a really strange place to go rock climbing. Mm-hmm. I mean, the overall scene there between the rangers and 
the employees. We were in employee housing, and it was very, uh, it was very wild, wild, wild place. And then throw in all these amazing climbs and history, and it was borderline overwhelming. Right. Definitely, definitely had to slow it down and think about how you're going to spend your time. Right. Because there's a lot of options. Right. But it's it was great fun. I mean, it's an awesome place. Uh huh. I mean, I just you know I had that a show uh, a couple shows ago with Cedar. We talked yeah. a lot about, about Yosemite, Yosemite and the and kind of the history there. And you know, I didn't get into it too much, but I I it's a really it's kind of a stressful place to be, especially, you know, I'm, I'm this Indian Creek climber, which is sort of the last great free yeah, open area. Yeah, and that's area. how you, you're out in Yosemite yeah. thinking about the creek, like, mm, man, this is a lot different than well, that, because I spent a lot of time there mm-hmm. as well, more than, more than anywhere else probably, and yeah, the freedom. Yeah, and you know, it's like, there's just all these stresses there. There's the rangers. Constant. There's waiting in line. If you are going to be legit, yeah. you've got to wait in line at Camp 4. The bears. I mean, and those are the bears are way worse than when I was wall climbing there. Like there yeah. was, there were no bear boxes in the in the meadow. And yeah. now, I, I when we did the free rider in two thousand and eight, we blasted off um, to catch up with our gear that we'd st- that we'd put up there on the mm-hmm. on the free blast, and we were like four pitches up as kind of the the rest of the people were sort of gathering around at the base of the wall. And I watched a bear coming down from up by Lurking Fear yeah. and yelled down to these guys. Like, I yelled down, hey, there's a bear, like, 60 yards up the hill coming towards you right now. Yeah. You know? And he's like, what? And I said, there is a bear coming towards you right now. And it was, you know, it was probably like 8 in the morning. And, yeah. these, and this bear apparently had been sort of up there because it, he'd been finding stashed hall bags. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So, and that never used to happen, but I mean, everybody's out of control. And yeah, so it's like, I, I just know what you're talking about. It's like the, when you sit back and you're like looking around, you're like, this is the greatest climbing area in the world. And then all of a sudden that thought is interrupted by like, oh, I better get out of here because I'm not supposed to be bivvied here. Yeah. Or, you know, I got to go move my car. Yeah. Or I don't have a permit to be in that lot. Or, you know, I got to get that candy bar off my dashboard before a bear rips the door off my car, you know? For real. It's a strange place. And then you contrast it with that with the creek and and basically it's like... And it really, I mean, being in the creek, it frees the mind to go and rock climb. Like, worrying about all that other stuff is very taxing yeah it's weird it's too bad i mean you know it 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 makes up for it when you do lose it lose lose those thoughts while you're climbing there but yeah Yeah. i i want to go back you know i did so little free climbing there when i was when i was back there in the day and there's so much stuff to do but it's just so hard to like go into that mix for me when it is not just indian creek but there's just so many places where the Camping and all that stuff are in, enhanced the experience. Yeah, in that place it totally detracts. Yeah. So anyway, but uh, but yeah. So you were out there, and um, I, I understand you, you ran into Mr. Honnold. I, I, wanted, I did. I wanted Steve to tell this I story. Met the met my hero there on <laughs> on the captain. Uh, we had just sat for most of the day behind a very very slow party, uh-huh. as often happens on the nose, and had changed our game plan to instead of two nights do three nights so we're on dolt tower Mm -hmm. chilling enjoying being on a ledge and at least there's no bears yeah happy there's no bears (laughs) 
And I mean, and the haul to that ledge is absolutely horrible. So I just hauled a really nasty bag and up cruises Mr. Honnold, middle of the night. It's probably 1030 at night. And he's, of course, soloing. He's got like maybe like nine cams and like a six mil friggin' rope on his back for the king swing and yeah, all cool mellow honold what time is it you guys like you guys know what time it is we're like yeah you know 10 30 ish he's like cool start an hour ago <laughs> nice dude like way to go i'd expect nothing less the fact that he stopped even to talk to you guys is- oh i mean for real <laughs> he definitely seemed like he needed a breather at that point and i didn't know at the time what was going on but you know just that honold was soloing the captain in the middle of the night which seemed a little strange i don't even remember his first name anymore yeah he's I just like madonna it now. was actually very interesting I, I introduced myself as a proper gentleman should do and he said oh yeah i'm alex yeah. and my buddy that was with me was very put off by that but i thought it was kind of funny because you know everybody know like my parents know who honald is it's very, right he's like probably the most famous rock climber at the moment and you know he's a good he's a good guy so then but you saved his life. And then he's on to business. He's like, you know, you guys, you got any chalk? And of course, like, we've got some chalk. Like, you don't go rock climbing for days at a time without some chalk. We did only have one bag, but yeah, we got some chalk for you, you know. Here you go. Like, ta- like you need it? All right, take it, take it away. And kind of hand it over like, oh, cool. And... Yeah, he but was. But it wasn't he, just chalk. Top, no, but he, t- he took your old chalk bag. Yeah, he took the whole chalk oh, bag. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, so yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. He's got no bag. So right. the issue is that he's yeah. forgot his chalk bag <laughs> in his in haste. You're not just, hand, he's you're like not just getting, filling his bag up. Yeah, no, no. I, right. I'm handing him a full bag that I, you know, brought up there to mm-hmm. use. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, yeah, I'll tie it to the bolt, whatever. I was like, no, dude, you need, you need this, like, tie it to the tree. Yeah, you know? put it Go on all top. the way, man. Right. And this is. Take my bag. Take take it away. And he's like, all right, cool. And like dips his hands in. He's like, it's even full. Oh, man, sweet. I'm like, yeah, I don't mess around. Right on. prepared for this. And so basically what ended up happening is we saved the triple. And uh, he he had done Watkins that that afternoon and was doing the captain through the night and then went on to half dome in the morning. And two days later or whatever three days mm-hmm. later when we finally topped out there was my chalk bag tied to the tree nice and i kind of did like all right cool like way to go honald and still had no idea at this point what he had done right at that moment but yeah so if you if you've been living in a cave or, or something you don't know what steve's <laughs> talking about that's honald climbed alex alex honald i was just, just like honald alex. Honald. yeah or alex honald rolls it's a good I know, name i know I know. I prefer that. It's he like, needs like a jersey with his right. name on it. But he, uh, you know, if 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 you haven't been paying attention to the media, he did solid Watkins, uh, El Cap, and Half Dome in I don't know how many hours was it? Eighteen yeah. hours and fifty minutes. Yeah, I call he it shaved, He got rid of the he got rid of the Tommy Caldwell bag. Yeah, and shaved a couple hours. <laughs> off was of unbelievable. It. The kid. He's like, dude, just sit this one out. <laughs> yeah. You kind of slow me down. <laughs> <laughs> but Stevie saved the show because you, I mean, I did, homie. and we got written up in the in the articles as some aid climbers that saved the show. Which I mean, I guess yeah, we were doing some aid climbing, so we are. Aid I'm climbers. sure he would have slipped and fallen to his death. If I'm positive of yeah. it actually, and I, 
you know, if you're out there, Alex, like I would love that 12 pack that I heard you were trying to give me. Yeah. <laughs> or some North Face gear. That's an awesome story to go to your valley at the valley for the first time and, and, it was cool. I mean, we had like, we, it was like superstar day. We had Hans running sickle laps while we were down there because he was getting ready for the speed record. And then. So, Hans, what'd you say? He's running laps on the sickle? Yeah, he's running sickle laps. I guess that was like part of his block. And that's kind of, those oh. first four pitches are pretty tough. I get like whatever. So. See, that's, that's kind of cool to find that that's out too down. because you have sort of this impression that, you know, they just kind of like. I'm just going to try to yeah. climb this thing faster, but think, it's a lot more methodical than that. Oh, yeah. I yeah. mean, Hans is like, he's got like his schedule mm-hmm. all the time, I mm-hmm. feel like. So, yeah, that was probably all written into the plan. Yeah. No, I mean, it's got to be. Yeah. It's got to be meticulous. I mean, those guys, to, yeah, to break the record as, as hard as they did was mm-hmm. expected. Yeah. I mean, it's like Hans and Honnold. Like, yeah, who else is right. going to do that? It seems like there's got to be some sort of physical limit to that in the end. I will see. I mean, I mean, I'm I mean, be there is like just the sure. issue of the time space continuum that yeah, eventually you know, some with sort like of time the 30 has second to pass. record breakers. Yeah. You're like, oh yeah, we're getting there, and then right. these guys are like ten minutes off or whatever. Yeah. Crazy. But do you know what I mean? Like. Yeah, there's no way. I mean, I think that they said average like four minutes a pitch. Right. So. How, how? What? Like what? You know, not even <laughs> Kirk was doing that in, in uh, uh, Star Trek Four. Yeah. The, You're too young to know what the I'm talking not about. a Star Trek fan. <laughs> Star Wars, yeah. In the, in the opening <laughs> opening segment, the infamous o- opening segment of Star Trek Four, the one with the whales. No, no. <laughs> Kirk's free soloing the nose. Oh, yeah. Captain Kirk is yeah. climbing a mountain. Yeah. I've seen the parodies. Yeah. No, sure. no. He's free soloing the nose. Yeah. It's, it's very specific. <laughs> He's actually climbing the boot flake. Dang. Yeah. Good and then he pitches. Oh. Yeah, and Spock saves him. Whoa. You've never seen this? I've never you got to YouTube it. I'm sure it's out there. I'm yeah, sure Spock's it's got, out there. He's got jet boots. Oh, yeah. See, he, that's how they're going to break the next And he talks to him, and he <laughs> distracts him, and he pitches, and then Spock saves him. Dang. Yeah. I'll have to look that up. Supposedly Shatner, at least for a brief moment before he got a little bit round, was a rock climber, for real. And that's huh. why he put that in there. That's cool. Yeah. Interesting. Yep. And, Tidbits uh, on the Enormar cast. Well, you know, there's some guy, and I can't remember his name at this moment, took that whipper. He took, because when they show him falling, yeah. it's real. Oh, yeah. And he took, and he had all these, like, hydraulic cables and stuff to instead of using dynamic ropes. Because, you know, when they, they do that sort of stuff, it's like, you know, they got to go way beyond what, yeah. what we would use. But he takes, like, a hundred footer. Yeah, so, you know, it was like this big, one of those big filming things in, in yeah. the valley. I don't even know if you, they can do that stuff anymore in national parks, but. It's a big money permit. Anyway, if, if I can is. find it, I'll, <laughs> I'll post a link to it. Yeah. If it's out there, I'll post a link to it on, <laughs> Put it on, on, the, website, on the website. Which I finally sure. visited and liked the Facebook, which everyone should do. Yeah. Go ahead and like the Facebook. Yeah. You know, I understand people not visiting the the. the because yeah. I don't go to the pages of the podcast I listen to. Yeah, it's not it's not an important part, but no. you know, there's stuff going on over there. Totally, I try to post a funny picture with each post. Yeah, it's pretty so. cool. All right, so you're back in the valley. What's going on now, dude? Uh, I mean, some rumblings about South America. I heard. I don't know where I'm going. I don't, I really have not made a plan. Right. Yeah. I mean, my life is a roller coaster. <laughs> It's pretty funny. I never know where I'm going to go next. That's perfect, man. It is. It's like, yeah, that's why I had you on the shows because I'm jealous. 
Oh, yeah. yeah. Those days are gone for me, for whatever reason. I don't yeah, even know why they are. Because you just said that. That's yeah, why. I know. But, you know, responsibilities. Yeah, right. I've got to start saving for retirement. <laughs> the EnormaCast is, is my retirement plan. Yeah. If this doesn't, I think it'll be fine. If this doesn't go off, <laughs> I'm going to be like destitute in some sort of state old folks home. Either that or working at 7-Eleven until I'm like 89. Yeah, it's probably... <laughs> They're always hiring. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I can stay up all night. I'm cool. Yeah, ain't nothing. Besides, that'd be uh, that'd be actually a good. I think a podcast that was recorded at like the four in the morning at Sevy oh, with yeah. whoever comes in would actually be a pretty tight show. It might it might launch. I <laughs> I'd listen. Tune in to that. I'd tune in. Yeah, especially if it was like in Vegas or something. Oh yeah, you'd have to be oh, somewhere like man, Vegas yeah. for sure. Yeah. And you just like get like five minute interviews with the I people who are coming it. in at yeah. like three in the morning. Like, what's up, man, dude? That's a killer idea. I'm an, I'm branching it, out. Yeah, you should be careful broadcasting that. I know someone's gonna steal that one <laughs> for sure. So. It's always the scare. Someone will steal it. All right, cool. Well, I'm going to go ahead and uh, we're going to seg over into my interview with Henry. You, you've met this kid, right? I have. Henry, he's a little shredder. I mean, I just see him all around town. He hangs out at the shop I work at a lot, and he's got his little bros, so... Yeah, and you, uh, he, he's, it's a bike shop, right? Well, yeah, it's a consignment shop. Oh, the consignment shop, shop. Yeah, we yeah. do some bikes, we do some everything, and those kids come in and spend their parents' money. It's funny. Yeah, totally. No, I've got an interview coming up with a, a, a now 15-year-old. He just turned 15 today, actually. I recorded it yesterday. But, oh, nice. Uh, with uh, Henry Nadal, Nadel, Nadal. I like to say it with a little bit of a flair, Nadal. But he's a young climber in town, and I decided to sit down with him and find out what his motivation was because, you know, I have this theory, and I'm going to spin it by you here, and I'm working on it. I don't know exactly how it fits, but there's this sort of prevailing knowledge out there that there's all these, like, you know, we always joke that there's some, like, 12-year-old kid that can fire your project. Yeah. They're just, like, climbing super hard, and all these sort of young kids are coming up through the gyms that are just cranking, yeah. right? But then I started to look around, and I'm like, you know what, though? It's not really translating into more sort of competition or superstars at the high end of the game. In other words, like, it's always been that every generation of climbing, back to this generation idea, yeah. sort of puts up their two or three great climbers that push the either the difficulty or or what's being done in the mountains or whatever else and and you think that if we've got this like huge groundswell of these shredders of these killer you know just super strong kids shouldn't we have instead of one or two shouldn't we have 10 sharmas in the mix right now yeah you know what i mean or it seems as though we just replace it's always a couple you know, you've got a generation where, where like Chris Sharma and David Graham and those, at least in America. Yeah, America. Those guys were sort of top of the game, and now there's a couple behind them. You know, this girl Sasha and and like Jonathan Segrist and stuff. But you'd think there'd be this whole like, you know, 10, 15, 20 kids duking it out in the 515 level, but it's not. No. And my theory is, and this is... You know, if you guys want to write in and, and argue with me, that'd be great because yeah. I haven't really worked it out. But you know, I saw the the Boulder climbing team in Rifle, 
they they come out and they've got their coaches and and they come out from Boulder from from the Rock Club or or, or movement. I don't know which where they're coming from, yeah. but it's like a typical like kind of teenager, you know, setup where the coaches come and you know get climbs and get them all sorted out and you go to the cl- if you go to the cliff where they're at they're just like climbing all over the place but uh, what i realized is that just like all sports in high school or, or middle school or whatever you know it's the motivation is still the adult it's yeah. the adult that gathered them together it's yeah. the adult that's telling them which climbs to do and i and you can listen to them ask the coaches like what should i do now what should i do now and i think that just like all those sports in high school it there's a point at which when you take that external motivation away, a lot of those kids drop out of it Yeah, or they stop doing it. They go to college and they start drinking and chasing right. chicks or totally. chasing dudes or whatever. You have to make this leap after that, not only to your only own self-motivation, but you have to make a leap to intellectualizing climbing because it's no longer just a physical thing. When yeah. you get out and you get onto real rock, even if you're just sport climbing, there's an intellectual element to it. And because, you know, it's like, I'm going to go to Maple and that's different than Rifle yeah. and that's different than Jailhouse and that's different. And so I have to, it's not just these holds that I'm used to, it, it, these plastic holds. Right. And if you can't, and plus you have to sort of embrace this lifestyle thing, which that's I think. a big part of it, right, for sure. Drops a lot of people out of it. Yeah. I mean, you got to be out of the house to go embrace the lifestyle. <laughs> and, and even if you just say stay a sport climber and you never get into big roots and track climbing, which is a whole nother thing. Yeah. And that really is an intellectual part of the sport. It still is like you have to kind of decide that this is going to be my life and here are the sacrifices I'm going to make to do it. You know, even someone who's well-funded and, and whatever else. So anyway... So back to my interview with Henry <laughs> is I see Henry as this kid who's like he's coming up through it in, in kind of this old school way right now where yeah. he's definitely climbs in the gym because it's an opportunity to, to, to climb, sure. especially here in Carbondale. But he's very much more interested in becoming this outdoor climber and becoming this kid or this guy who's going to go out and do the big roots and and, and yeah. attack it that way. And, and actually, interestingly, in the interview, he even calls it a religion. Whoa. He said it's, he says it's more like a religion. Yeah. You know, it's more like this thing that gets inside of you and, 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 you know, that you dedicate like so much of your life to. So it's yeah. kind of interesting. And that's, that's why I ended up wanting, wanting to interview the kids. So, oh yeah. We'll he see sounds rad. Yeah. For and, sure. You know, he's getting after it. Yeah. I promise that's to take up. him down to the black. So that'd be good time. So yeah. that opens his eyes for sure. Good. I mean, good for him for sure. Yeah. All right, Steve. Thanks for coming over. And, yeah, um, dude. Hopefully, when you're in town and you're not out out doing your thing in your in your GMC Safari <laughs> that now runs like yeah. perfectly right on the normal thanks cast to hook you up. Normal cast fix my van. <laughs> but uh, yeah, when you're in town, I'd love to have you back on the show. Yeah, for you'll sure. Be, you'll be Steve Denny, everyman climber. Right. We'll, we'll get Round the perspective two. from from the guy in the trenches. Yeah, so, I'm into it. I right love on. it. It's right good on. times. All right, appreciate you coming out for sure. Thanks. All right, I'm sitting here with Henry Nadell. Is that close enough? That was a yeah. little French 
It's okay. Turn on it. Fine. All good. <laughs> and his father, Frank, thanks for letting me into your house, you guys. I know this is kind of strange. And uh, I asked these guys to sit down with me because Henry has become something of a legend in the town as sort of a young climber who's coming up and is really stoked on it and has a really good relationship with a bunch of different climbers in the valley. So I wanted to talk to him and his dad, Frank, about what his motivations are as a young climber who is getting after it and trying to become better and trying to uh, learn how to be a climber of note, if you will. So, Henry, yeah, how'd you learn how to climb? Well, in fifth or fourth grade, my teacher was a climber, Miss Wendy Williams, and we had a little bouldering wall in our classroom. So during recess, well, me and my buddies would just spend all recess on the bouldering wall. And then it evolved from that to the gym. And then from that, I joined the climbing team with Tracy and BJ. Uh-huh. The Pebble Wrestlers, and uh-huh. then I got some rope and some gear and went out to Glenwood Canyon and loved it ever since. You went to the Montessori school with Wendy yep. as your teacher, and now, now where are you in school? Uh, I'm going to CRMS. Uh-huh. So and you're on the climbing team over there? Yep. Yeah, the reason I want to talk to you is because you, you have this trajectory that's a little bit, uh, I think, different than a lot of kids that are getting into climbing right now. And it kind of feels a little bit old school in that when I was a kid, I didn't know anything about climbing. I grew up in the Midwest. But but I also feel like once I did get into it, when I moved out to Colorado, it was a very adult sport. Um, there weren't a lot of younger guys doing it, younger people. And I know I'm going to keep calling you a kid. Um, I know you're almost 15. It's okay. So, but you're going to be a kid to me forever. So, and probably to your dad as well. So, I wouldn't worry about it. But yeah, so you you know you're on this trajectory. That's you're already buying gear. You're already placing gear. You're already getting into a little bit of trad climbing, a little bit of crack climbing, and that's kind of why I wanted to sit down with you because I see a lot of kids that are coming up through the gyms kind of bigger cities where there's more of a gym culture, and that's really their main focus and. I also see a lot of those guys get up through high school and kind of fall away from the sport. And I have this sort of theory that it's because they don't necessarily have an intellectual or a real emotional connection to it. It's more of a true sporting event to them. And, and a, like a lot of sports that people do in high school, you know, they dedicate their time and existence and everything to it for, you know, let's say in high school for four years, like if you were a wrestler. And then you graduate and you never, ever wrestle again. I mean, adults don't go to wrestling clubs and wrestle each other. I mean, but it's the same for basketball, the same for volleyball, all these sports that you're so into as a a teenager, and then they're just gone as you graduate. And I've always found that to be kind of strange. Now, with climbing, I think there's a, you know, something that you can't pursue as an adult. And so um, I just wanted to kind of talk to you about that, whether your connection you see that growing and going on beyond these sort of years that you are uh, doing it as, as a teenager. Yeah. Uh, well, definitely I'm like connected cause like there's so many different things you can do with climbing. Like it doesn't have to just be in the gym. You can go out to Indian Creek. You can go mountaineering, ice climbing all seasons. And I don't really think of climbing as like a sport, but more of like a religion, maybe. Really? Expand on that. Something like that. Like, when I go out, I don't think I'm of a sport, 
there's something else too in the mix. There's something in the mix that's a little bit different about it. Yeah. Than shooting hoops or something like that. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm pretty convinced of that as well. I hope so. Because I've dedicated the better part of my life to it. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it would be bummer if it was just a, just another sport. Um, but let's get back to that. I, I want to kind of still lay the base of, of where you came from and uh, bring your dad, Frank, into the, into the conversation. Hey, Frank, how are you? Good. Good. Um, you were just telling me that you weren't really a climber before it was something that Henry found interesting to him. Um, although you had some experience because you worked for the fire department, so rope rescue and, and repelling and things like that. So, you know, when your your uh, kid came home and was super stoked on this climbing thing and you kind of ran with it, uh, was it something that, that you found interesting yourself or was it something you were just doing for Henry? Um, I'll just go back to his previous comment and, you know, that there's something about climbing that's very different. And uh, I'll just say as a parent, it's very, very different than being a soccer dad or a, a hockey dad where, you know, you go from taking your kid to practice, you know, two times a week and then taking the games on Saturday all over the state and all over. The, so you go and, you you know, you cheer the team on and then you come home and that's that. And it's not very participatory. Right. Other than For the cheering. adults. Right. And when he got into climbing, that became something very, very different. You know, I could actually participate in it with him. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not much of a climber, mm-hmm. but I can, you know, he needs a belayer. Sure. So um, belaying is something I had done in rope rescue. Uh-huh. So I was like, I already know how to do that. It's right. easy. You know, he started in the, on the, the local rec center team and, um, you know, that, that was great and, you know, learned the basic skills and all that. But then once he got outside, then that was that. It was like the gym was done. It was done right. with that. And then, you know, then it became to go away to all these faraway places uh-huh. and travel. And, you know, we like to camp and I like to do amateur astronomy, telescope observing. Right. So getting out to, you know, places away from city lights and that. And so it all just sort of melded together. And Sure became a great family thing uh-huh. you know to go to these go to these crags here and there around the state and neighboring states and camp and climb and i can stay up late and stargaze and right on yeah i mean it's it's, it's definitely so, like you guys embrace so the lifestyle yeah and then you know then it's the people and the places that you know people you meet and you know you want it's like Going to Maple Canyon out in Utah and running into the same people we see in Rifle Mountain Park mm-hmm. or there's a a community or family mm-hmm. of climbers, you know, and then. So, how did you feel about sort of handing him off to some of these folks in town? I mean, there was probably a point at which the knowledge that he needed, particularly like placing gear and leading and all those sorts of things, you know, went beyond what you knew as as a guy who knew how to play and use the ropes and and rope rescue and stuff like that. But you know, it seems like there was probably a point where you kind of had to trust some other people with your kid a little bit. Yeah, I, mean, I think it's. You know, maybe where we live, you know. I mean, he was taught by Wendy Williams at BJ and Tracy, mm-hmm. and Michael Kennedy has taken him out a number of times, mm-hmm. and we've run into them. And everyone is so generous, mm-hmm. you know. You know, if we just show up at a crag or something, like, hey, hey Henry, you want to get on this rope? Sure. You know, they're on like some 511 sure. D or something, you know. Mm-hmm. And he's like 12, and I'm like, Ugh. but, you know. Yeah, it's a trustworthy bunch. Top I mean, rope, you know, yeah. top rope. Yeah. What they're climbing, you know. And, um, yeah, I trust them 
explicitly, so I, was, I never worried about it. So, Henry, tell me what kind of climber you are. How, how would you sort of characterize yourself uh, out there? I'm not really sure, but definitely for the outdoor uh-huh. more, mostly. But I like the gym in the winter and, like, when you can't go out, that's mm-hmm. always good. But I like the outdoor mostly. That's the real fun, I think. Yeah, and, and do you sort of you dabble in track climbing and sport climbing no matter what? Well, mostly sport right now, but mm-hmm. starting to learn a little bit. I was hoping to get out. I think Michael Kenny was going to take me out, and we were going to learn some trad skills and right. stuff. So. And, and then what happened? Uh, well, I haven't done that yet. But <laughs> And why, why aren't you climbing right now, Henry? Uh, right now I have a broken wrist. Right, and how'd you do that? Uh, biking. Exactly. Let's stay off the bikes. Yes. <laughs> stay on the ropes. <laughs> For sure. So um, you, you talked about climbing with Michael Kennedy and, and BJ and uh, Tracy and Wendy and, and a bunch of other people in town. So who, who are, besides those folks, who are your sort of inspirations out there in the climbing uh, world? Well, definitely like Hayden Kennedy. Uh-huh. Um, well, you, I think. Right You're on. good inspiration. Um, and I'm not really sure on any others right now. I can't think. Well, that's but. cool. I mean, <laughs> Hayden Kennedy is another local kid who went to Sierra Mass, so you're kind of, uh, you know, carrying that torch, I guess, for the for, for the next few years that he left behind. Yeah. So he's over in Pakistan right now, hopefully yeah, doing yeah. really well. So tell me some of the places you guys have been to in terms uh, of climbing. Maple Canyon. Uh, City of Rocks, Indian Creek, Salt Lake. Mm-hmm. Where else? Uh, Moab. Oh, uh-huh. Moab. Right. Shelf Road. Shelf Road. 11 Mile Canyon. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so you've been getting around, in other words. Uh, yeah, yeah. And Thompson, but, Thompson Creek. Rifle. Yeah, local Local, local crags. crags. Yeah. Totally. So. And how often do you think you uh, get out? Well, when I'm not broken. When you're not broken, yeah. Uh, two or three times a week is uh-huh. a good week, yeah. Uh-huh. That's a pretty good week, yeah, totally. All right, cool. Let's go back to this religion thing. So when you're <laughs> not really, you know, and I don't want to sort of, you know, make it controversial, like, you know, you're some sort of of, of a pagan kid, kid uh, worshiping stones, but... You know, when you got, let's see if we can ferret out that, that idea of what you think there is to it. What is it that sort of grabs you? Do you think you can, can uh, put that into words? Just like the people and like style, maybe something like that. Mm-hmm. But everyone's like nice and always like cool and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. What about the activity? Like, what is it about the activity that, I mean, you could be out, like I said, you could be out hanging out with your bros in the park or you could be out playing basketball you could be out doing a number of other things what what do you think it is about this thing that sort of draws your intellect into it because it's like always different i can go on a route a thousand times and i always do it differently and then it's just fun that way because you're gonna have to fix that habit why? Because you're going to have to start learning how to do beta exactly the same way oh. every time you try to do <laughs> Yeah. But <laughs> it's just like there's something that pulls you towards it. Mm-hmm. So can you foresee yourself like being a climber for the rest of your life or, I mean, at least for yeah. the next, next foreseeable future? I think future? I could do it for the rest of my life yeah. for sure. Right on. Do you like being poor? Uh, I don't mind it. <laughs> so what are, what are some of your goals? To go to Yosemite. Uh-huh. To improve at 
all types of climbing. Uh huh. And to buy a van. To buy a van and become a road <laughs> bum dirtbag climber. Is that what I'm kind of getting from you? Possibly. That's like the dream. <laughs> yeah. Did you see what you've done? <laughs> <laughs> now I can imagine though you're you know you're gonna probably uh, want to eventually make some money too and have like a normal life to a certain extent. Uh yeah All maybe right, good maybe yeah maybe th- that that big uh, high dollar sponsorship will come through. I don't know about that. <laughs> so you mentioned something about ice climbing. Do you do you imagine yourself? Uh, Becoming some sort of mountaineer in the future as well. Uh, now this is going to really. Uh, like, your, mom, your mom's not in here, so that's <laughs> probably good. Are you going to say yes? Uh, I don't know. I I don't know really. Okay. I haven't really thought about that that much. But Have you ice climbed? Mm, not really. No. No, haven't ice climbed yet. I've been up to Redstone and watched people, but I'd like to try it. Uh-huh. It looks fun. Yeah, I don't. You should just not bother. It seems sketchy. It's sketchy and cold and miserable. So <laughs> I think you should just totally stay away from it. Yeah, and speaking of that, actually, you know, in terms of, of your assessment of the risk, Frank, is it something that concerns you at all? In terms of, you know, like I said, it, he could be just hanging out in the park with his bros instead of this. As you look towards, a, you know, him sort of pursuing climbing, is it something that concerns you in terms of, in terms of safety? Uh, not terribly. I do, you know, read the accident reports on rock and ice and try to talk to him about what went wrong. Right. I try to keep him safe, mm-hmm. but I think you only get one accident in climbing. Yeah, a lot of times it's only the one. <laughs> He's on his second broken arm in surgery from biking, and right. he probably have 10 more. I don't know how many accidents he can have in climbing, not many. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's oh, kind you can of... have some close calls, but... Yeah, it's kind of an all-or-nothing thing a lot of times. That's. Yeah. I mean, that is a big difference. You don't run into guys breaking arms and, and, and wrists and things like that, like that you do in biking. But yeah. I think the potential for something catastrophic is obviously a little bit higher in climbing versus... Yeah, yeah. I mean, you think about that and you know try to make sure he's using good anchors. And, oh, he's telling him to put a safety knot in, and he mm-hmm. doesn't like that. But he says, you gotta have, you got to have a safety knot. <laughs> Listen to your father. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I just forget. Yeah. It comes from rescue. I mean, rescue, we like duplication. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you, you don't build a anchor, you build two anchors. Multiple backups, you yeah. Know, and everything is backed up, and... So I try to instill that in him. And, yeah, you know, there, and it, it is annoying. There's a certain level of that in climbing, but yeah, we don't ever go as far as you do when you guys are in, in institutional um, setups of, of rescue. Because I've been, you know, when I was in Estes Park, a lot of times we'd get called in by SAR just to be more bodies there. And yeah, we were always just kind of like, wow, you guys are really, you know, you guys are really overdoing it as far as we're concerned. But um, as long as you can instill that idea of having backups and having multiple points, I mean, that's still something that, that goes through climbing, certainly. That's one thing that surprised me once we moved from the gym to outdoors is a lot of people are pretty sketchy out there. Oh, totally. And that, that really was uh, was very surprising to me. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, we have uh, such a large cross-culture in climbing now. There's, it's... Again, at 20 years ago, there was kind of this mentoring system where people, I think, didn't bite off so much right away. You know, I always say that it took me three or four years until I had taken a fall, a lead fall. You know, I had been leading for a really long time before I lobbed off of something. And also that I worked up and, you know, climbed 5'7", and I was really solid, and then I climbed 5'8", and I was really solid, and I climbed 5'9", and 
we're in this mode now, I think because of the gym in a lot of ways that people just come bursting out ready to get on hard things and, yeah. and, and are a bit naive about the differences. I, you know, I've watched it, the same thing kind of grow in the sport, but there's always been wing nut, yeah. you know, yeah. out there. Are you able, Henry, at this point to make those kind of judgments about whether someone seems to be climbing safely or if someone seems to be uh, kind uh, of a wing nut and not really doing what he's supposed to be doing? Yeah, uh, partially. I've seen some people like taking their hand off when they're belaying on like ATC even. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of sketchy, I guess. Uh, yeah, I've seen some things that look pretty sketchy to me. Well, that's good. I mean, that, that, that yeah. you're not just wandering around blindly. Yeah. You know, and you can make an assessment of, of those sorts of people and, and, yeah. and things that maybe you don't want to get involved in in terms of climbing. Yeah. So, so where are you with your uh, where are you with your trad climbing? Are you leading uh, stuff down in the creek? Not yet. No. Most still top rope because uh-huh. I've just. I don't know how to place it quite yet, like, mm-hmm. but I'd like to get to do that because mm-hmm. I really like Indian Creek a lot. Right. But I've been going down with like Tracy and BJ, and they'll like show me some stuff. Mm-hmm. But I'd like to get to a point where I could go not depending on someone else mm-hmm. for like leading. I mean, so, obviously, that's the goal is when, yeah, you, when yeah. you can just saddle up and head down there on yeah. your own. So. What about granite? You've been climbing on granite with gear at all? You've been placing nuts or anything like that? Or getting uh, anybody showing you how to do that? We met one guy in 11 Mile Canyon. He was showing us some anchors, and he kind of gave us like a clinic out of the blue, sort of. Uh-huh. But not that much. Not right. really yet. So you, that's something that you need to get in. I, I, you're probably at that stage right now. Yeah, I'd really like to start doing that. Uh-huh. Because, yeah. It was a goal this year, but got some other hardware placements right. here. <laughs> hardware placements in his wrist. Yeah. So, so what, might have to be next year's What's goal. your prognosis with that thing? When, when are you getting your cast off? Oh, uh, like you three know. weeks, I think. Three four weeks. weeks so. And then what, what are you allowed to do with it after that? Do you know? Oh, I think I'll be ready. Ready? Yeah. Awesome. I want to get out of this thing as quick as possible. Yeah, I bet. So, yeah, well, we'll have to, uh, maybe we'll head down to the Black Canyon then. In the fall and do something down there. Oh, yeah. I've been there and looked at it, but I haven't climbed there uh-huh. before. Yeah, it'd be good to get you out. I mean, it's, it's yeah, like I said, you're at, at a point where I think it'd be good to um, start getting you dialed into some sort of gear and, and getting, uh, getting yeah, you for sure. a little bit more independent. And if not independent, at least, like I was just saying, in a situation where you can uh, assess what's going on around you, because that's... That's kind yeah. of a big, uh, in my opinion, like a big step for beginner climbers is you're just at the mercy of whoever you're climbing with for a while. Yeah. You know, you learn how to tie your knot. So then, I mean, if you think about like the first time you went on a rope, someone probably tied your knot for you. Yeah. And you just had to be like, yeah, I guess this is the way it's supposed to be, you know, yeah. but then you learn to recognize the way it was supposed to be. Then you learn to tie it. Yeah. You know, and you're still, I mean, if you're sport climbing, it's one thing. You're clipped to some bolts. It's pretty easy to tell whether that's that's done properly. But when you start top roping on anchors and things like that, yeah, it, it's a better feeling and you'll feel more confident if you can at least have a look at that and go, okay, that thing makes sense to me. Yeah. As opposed to just, well, hopefully they did what they were supposed to do because I have no idea. Yeah. You know, so that that's a really good good goal for you to, to get into. And have yeah. you um, done any multi-pitch climbing? Yeah. What have you done? Uh, I did a route with Tracy and VJ in the Red Rocks. Uh huh. It was a lot of balls, I think. Uh huh. It was fun. Like five pitches, I think. Nice. 
And it's, I had a lot of fun on that. And did you just uh, send them off from the campground? And hope yeah. they came back alive? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, me and him are going to try, like to try some multi-pitch, uh, multi-pitch mm-hmm. some easier stuff once he gets better. So are you, um, are you sort of coming along with your own skills then with this whole thing? Yeah, slow. Slow. <laughs> <laughs> but still, but you're, you're attempting to, you know, you're wanting to kind of get, get in that same level so you guys can st- keep climbing together? It's more uh, overcoming a fear of heights for me. Oh, yeah? I get too high off the ground and I do get very uncomfortable. Yeah. So that's so the, that's the demon to slay, I guess. Yeah, well, I think the same, you know, I was a guide for for many, many years. And the same thing applies is that, you know, as you replace kind of that sort of uncertainty about how everything works with a certainty, that also tends to, kind of, for a lot of people, tends to replace that fear of like, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm not super confident in what I'm doing translates into fear when i get super confident in what i'm doing in terms of safety ropes all the gear all that sort of stuff it translates into comfort and you know if if you're one of those people that's never going to be okay with it that's one thing but most people work through it to where yeah okay i understand that if i that i can lean back on this i understand that this is solid because i'm really confident about it i think that's just i you guys are sort of on a similar path from different directions age-wise yeah (laughs) yeah so I want to ask you this too, Henry, because this is sort of striking. When I met you in Indian Creek, and you seemed like this really outgoing kid, introduced yourself to me, I believe, and you're with your mom, and you're down there like with a bunch of adults. Yeah. Okay. And I can only imagine, again, even even now that though there's a lot more kids in it yeah. than there used to be, you go to a place like Indian Creek, you go to a place like City Rocks, Maple Canyon even, to probably to a certain extent, and you're going to be hanging out with adults. Yeah. And there's probably not a lot of kids your age that you're just going to run into when you're out there. Yeah. Um, so what's that like? Can you sort of like give me an idea what it's like to be sort of in this sort of adult world? And um, I mean, because I know how climbers can act and it's not always that mature. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know, really. You just kind of adapt to it, I guess. Uh-huh. What do you mean by that? I don't know. You kind of have to learn how they do it. So then you just take notes. Take notes. <laughs> <laughs> so when everybody's like partying and drinking and then going crazy down in Indian Creek, you're, like, you're taking notes? <laughs> I don't know. No? <laughs> Maybe in my head. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I just, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's an interesting, to me, it's an interesting thing because it's it's this adult world, but it's also very childish. Yeah. You know, and... And it can be very, some, you know, very irresponsible at times. And so, you know, like even when I'm down in Indian Creek, I mean, those campfire discussions can get a little bit out of control and, <laughs> you know, the booze can go around. And I mean, that's kind of part of the culture down there in Indian Creek. So, you know, all of a sudden it w- I think about like, oh, look, there's this at that point, what, like 13 year old kid. Yeah. And you're just kind of like, wow, I feel sort of uh, a little bit self-conscious all of a sudden, you know? So, <laughs> but you've never had a problem with that? Like, no, pe- not really. <laughs> people are cool and they can act however they want? Yeah. That's not a problem for you? Not really. <laughs> what about you, Frank, in terms of having your kid running around in these, in these sort of environments <laughs> at times? I think it's fine. 99% of the people we meet are absolutely great people. They're out on their little adventure. Mm-hmm. Whether it's just a little two-hour climb on the local crag or they're on a, you know, we've met people from France and all over the world. And probably 
as a percentage of, of the population, well, the climbers are like better group than just the average. Right. You know, I've, I've always felt the same way, and I, I always yeah. feel like I'm a little bit elitist when I talk about it. But for whatever reason, it's it does draw sort of a, a uppercut in a lot of ways. Even though, like I said, at times their behavior, you know, for moments can seem a little bit out of control. Yeah. But, but they're good people underneath yeah. that, so to speak. But so I guess it's not a problem for you guys. So I should stop no. worrying about it. Well, I don't think you know. I don't think someone who were Drinking and drugging a lot right. would be, remain being a climber for very long. Right. People drink yeah. and drug and climb. But I don't think you can do a lot of the first two and do much of the last one. Right. So I yeah. think Henry understands that. I hope he does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, yeah, I guess, that's, I guess that, that really answers my question because I don't have kids and, um, uh, like I said, I just kind of was curious about how you sort of felt about that environment. Because, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's it's usually really well self-contained and it's and it's those moments in those certain climbing areas where all that sort of stuff is happening. But I don't know what your impression of it was. So that's kind of what I was yeah. curious about. Anyway, that, that's a that's a good answer to the question. So do you have any sort of like dream climbs or is there something that like you read about in the magazines or that you see like out in your your far away future your, your uh, dad said you met some people from france and do you plan on going worldwide with this whole thing oh i'd really like to go to yosemite for sure climb el cap bucket list yeah uh, what else is on your bucket list go to indian creek a lot maybe go to somewhere out of the country India or something like that. Mm-hmm. So a big know. worldwide road trip? Yeah. But I don't know where yet. But I definitely want to do that. What about you, Frankie? Looking forward to this this climbing adventure you guys are on? Yeah. Um, you know, I think we'll make it to Yosemite one of these days. I don't know. I'm always looking at, you know, always looking at the map and going, hmm, where can we go next? Yeah. Right on. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thanks, guys, and uh, thanks for having me into uh, into your house to do this show. I really appreciate you guys sitting down with me. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I wish you all the luck, and hopefully we'll get out this fall when your arm heals up. Well, thank you, for sure. Thanks a lot. <laughs> All right, thanks for listening. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Kind of a down-to-earth conversation with some normal climbers. If you guys are stoked, please head over to the iTunes page, NormalCast at iTunes, and write a review. We're actually kicking some serious butt over there. Uh, 62 consecutive five-star reviews. So let's keep that going. We're also in the What's Hot category if you spend about... 20 minutes clicking through from podcasts to sports and leisure to outdoor. We're actually right down the front page and we're the only ones who have the word explicit attached to the podcast on that whole page. Although this one, we didn't swear at all in deference to Henry. It's only 15. I'm not going to swear in front of that guy. All right. Tell your friends. Send me some comments. Chris at a normal Go to the webpage. Please like us on Facebook. Do what you got to do. Let's keep this thing rolling. We'll see you next time for an interview with Kate Rutherford. Hey, no!
freedom. But my common sense tells me the Andes is foothills and the Alps is for children to climb. These here is God's finest sculpturings. There ain't no laws for the brave ones and there ain't no asylum for the crazy ones. And there ain't no churches except for this right here. And there ain't no priests except for the birds. I've got our mountain man and I'll live in our book.